going up guys clocks on the stove episode number six myself grayson fisher we got big meech over there as well today a very special guest mr alon cruz how are we doing today good man thanks for having me on no thank you for coming man so i've been hyping this up to a lot of people everyone keeps hitting me up with like what what do you think about the fights tonight what do you think about the fights tonight i was like you know what i'm not the expert let's get an expert in here so that's what we did we got an expert but before we start about the fights let's talk about Talk about you a little bit. So you want to give us just like where you're from, when you started MMA, why you got into it, and, and your journey, just whatever you want to tell us. Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, Lon Cruz, I'm Florida born. Uh, I was actually born in Parrish, Florida, which is like a really, it's like a mile long town. And uh, it's just, you know, rednecks and Mexicans that live down there. And, I, you know, came up to Tampa, started going to school up here in, in first grade. And that's kind of, you know, how I started the transition moving to Tampa. And then, when I got the, I, I played baseball from like six until high school. Um, I tried out for my high school team. I actually didn't make it because I was skateboarding at the time. So I wasn't, I was skipping practice. I wasn't in shape. I never even got to play. I never even got to like show the coaches my skill. Literally, it was the, the first tryout day was just conditioning. I had no conditioning. I was sprinting, I was throwing up, and they cut me right then. And I was like, this is so dumb. So anyway, <laughs> My friend was like, yo, he's like, he's like, let's try out wrestling. And I was like, what? I was like, you told him where they wear tights and they're like on top of each other. And he's like, he's like, no, no, it's cool, man. It's cool. Let's try wrestling. I'm like, all right. So I joined the wrestling team in high school. And then, you know, I fell in love with it, was wrestling. And then in between summers, uh, we didn't have like a wrestling club or anything. So I joined a it was a kickbox. It was more, or it was Tiger Shulman's karate at the time, and they were transitioning to an MMA gym. Yeah. So they had submission grappling, kickboxing, and then you know whatever else. So I was going there during the summer, and I fell in love with the striking. I fell in love with doing jujitsu, and uh, like I would wrestle, and then later at night I'd go there and train. And uh, that, like I said, I was like 16 years old, and now I'm 31 um obviously you know like like you are Grayson on your path right now I went to the amateur ranks uh I fought I was five and one actually my last three fights I fought three three fights in three months it was just because I wanted to go I was ready to go pro um but when I came back to Florida after fighting out of state you could only go you could only go pro at the time when I was fighting amateur um then they changed the rule that you had to have five fights before you go yeah, pro. yeah it's odd right now I'm pretty sure. yeah yeah. So I actually lost my final amateur fight. It was a split decision in the kid's hometown. And to be honest, I won that fight. So it didn't really matter. I was going to go pro anyway. Yeah. So then I went pro and then I worked my way to the contender series. Um, that took a long time. I think I went pro when I was 23 and I didn't get into the UFC till I turned 30. Damn. So it was seven years of being a pro and it wasn't because, you know, it, it was just I was trying to fight and it was really hard to find fights like nobody wanted to fight or they would back out last minute. I've waited almost two years for a fight before Damn. for a title fight. It was terrible. Um, and that's what happens. You know, you're, you're going to find out, you know, when you go pro, it's just how it is. Mm -hmm. um, I made it to UFC. I lost my first two fights. I fought my first fight uh, February 2019 against Fight Carlisle. And then I just had my most recent fight, March uh, 6th or 7th. 
on the Adesanya card. And uh, I lost to Udo Smedic, who was also off the Contender Series. And uh, and then I got cut officially after that. Huh? Dude, that dude's a monster. On that recent Adesanya card? The the Adesanya versus uh, Jan Blahovic. Yeah, he was on the he was one of the opening fights. Oh, that's yeah. the fight that I couldn't get because uh, I know Dana White cracked down on all like the kind oh. of. <laughs> so I was trying to get the fight, and I was like, "Dude, they shut down all the websites," and I was just screw like, it. I can't watch it. I'm not paying for it. But yeah, uh, this it's fight expensive. tonight, I'm gonna find a way. If I gotta pay, I'll do it. But. Uh, Uh, Yeah, so you didn't really start wrestling or you know any type of mixed martial arts until you were 16. Yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, I've always been an athlete. Um, Like when I was younger, I had a lot of energy, which most kids do. But like, I remember my mom told me that you know doctors thought I had ADHD or whatever it was, which I'm sure I did. But uh, she, they wanted to put me on pills, stuff, you know, like to make you calm down. But she was like, "No, I don't have to put my kid on med- meds and stuff." So yeah. what she would do is that she would she would sign me up for two or three different sports at a time. So I would literally go from baseball practice straight to a soccer game, and then later in that day, I go play street hockey at a different league. So I was always doing like at least two or three sports at a time. Um, you ever like uh, I played flag football. I never played, like, tackle football or, like, you know, yeah, tackle football. Bro, Alon, you know what's crazy about that is that's the, actually the exact reason I got into MMA was uh, when I was younger, I was about, like, literally, like, three to four years old. Like, the like smallest you can be and do a sport. And I was – I had a loud mouth. I had a big mouth on me, and I had all this energy. And I my parents tried to put me in, like, t-ball, soccer. Nothing could, like, do it. So at the time it was uh, I don't know if you remember Evolution Martial Arts off of Northdale Maybury. Yeah. That was I where I started. So, yeah. Yeah. so they uh, yeah. they started I, I there because I played baseball growing up, dude, and I was always the kid like if I struck out, you know, I'd like throw my helmet and like you know just be one of those like little stupid kids with a temper problem. Yeah. And I kind of looking back, I wish I had that discipline, you know, but. uh like I obviously, you know, I outgrew it, but like when I was like ten years old, man, I was like so competitive and you know, I was never like the best baseball player, but I was like, you know, good enough to play on the all star teams and the district teams, but never the best. So um so that's what I think is crazy that you just stepped into a role at sixteen and uh picked it up and went pro. So that's just some raw, you know, athleticism and some drive, you know, that's like a different I respect fighters almost more than any sport because, because uh, like the thing about football is if you have just straight up athleticism, you know, there's guys that don't even play football in college and they get drafted just because they're six foot five and have giant hands and can run fast. But um, fighting, I feel like I'm no expert, but I feel like it, uh, it takes more technique and discipline and, you know, for you to do that pretty quickly to hop into that, that's pretty impressive, man. Yeah, so that's what I was trying to say, though, Meech. Um, all, right, all right. I was I, – my parents were, like, didn't know what to do. They were, like, scared I was going to get beat up when I started school because I, I had a big mouth, and I couldn't <laughs> stop my, my ADHD. They, well, my mom was the same thing. She wasn't putting me on pills. She was like, I'm not putting them on Adderall or whatever whatever they're going to give them. So they, they we found this jujitsu gym, but it was, like – it was uh, – uh, it was uh, – 
op, I can't remember the last name. It was a karate gym. Then Cook took over and transitioned it to jujitsu. It was like jujitsu and kickboxing. And then I fell in love, dude. I started my for, first class when I was four. I got humbled right off rip, so my mouth went away. And at the same time, like my ADD and whatever they thought I had was gone because it's you, you can't. It's not like soccer where you can run and stop. And so like it's you know, as you know, dude, it's nonstop. You know, so it kept me engaged the whole time, and I got really good at it. I I was a multiple time IBJJF state champ growing up. Like my jujitsu was filthy, but then obviously life happens, different stuff. The obstacles came in, but you know, that, that's crazy that you said that. That's why like you kind of started too. Yeah, I mean, I think some people are just athletes too, right? I mean, it's, I like it's it's weird because there's like a thing where people say like there's there's fighters like people who are just naturally like you know someone could walk in the you know or you could walk into somebody and get in a street fight and you just you're down to fight mm-hmm. which that's not me i've never even been in a street fight i avoid that stuff and i'm pretty good de-escalating uh, i don't like fighting um but I, I would say i'm more of the athlete side because i loved competition and i do like to fight inside the cage and then once that's other than that like confrontation is not my thing at all so I would consider myself an, an athlete, I guess, fighter. Um, but that's not to say I'm not down to get with the shit sometimes, you know? Oh, for sure, yeah. And me and Meech kind of talked about this uh, the other when we talked about the last fight card. Yeah, like yeah. The way, the way I broke it down to him, I was like, I feel like there's three different kind of fighters. You have your like Mazadals who are just fighters. You know, they, they just grew up fighting. They grew up being tough. And I feel like you got like your McGregor's who they were really poor or like your Holloway's and they didn't have anything else but fight. Like all only thing they knew in their life was to fight, you know, like they fought all the odds, all that stuff. And then I feel like you got like your GSPs and your wonder boys and your Izzy's who were brought up in like the martial art aspect. You know, I feel like, I feel like that's the, and then obviously there's the blend of the three, but I feel like those are the three biggest ones. If I had to categorize fighters in a three, I feel like that was, that would be my personal three. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I like how wonder boy fights. He's a kickboxer, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like a, dude, his, kick, his kicks are crazy. Yeah, he's 50, 57 and 0 in kickboxing. Yeah, or, but American kickboxing, so it's like karate style. Yeah, isn't that dude, more like points bar? It's like it's like get in, get out, get in, get out. It's, it's getting points, and they wear those. That's when you see like they're wearing the big like break dancing pants. Yeah, and they're doing like that type of stuff. So you'll see a lot of like taekwondo people. Um, because I don't think they can do leg kicks, and I don't think they do any clinches. Like it's it's not like Muay Thai. It's just it's a little different. Yeah. Now, when you let's let's take it a step back. So I, if I'm not mistaken, you fought an LFA before the UFC, correct? No. Um, actually, I fought. So all my fights pretty much have been out of Tampa. I've, I've only fought in Tampa maybe four times my entire career, and that was for the RFC. Yeah. Uh, so the RFC, which they don't run anymore, but the RFC was like probably the best promotion. Oh, the Tampa. RFC! I I used to watch the RFC, but the RFC. Yeah. there's a lot of good fighters that came out of there. The RFC is the best. Yeah. Um, but I fought for RFC, Conflict, uh, RFC, uh, Jackson Week Fight Night out in Albuquerque, and then I would say that's it. And then and then it was Contender Series, and then the UFC. So let's break down that that contender series. Where were you when you got the call? Like, was it right after? Like, how does that work? Can you like dumb it down a little? Like, was it right after a big win? Dana called you. Or was it like in the middle of practice? Like, what? How was? How did you initially find out? Like, oh man, I'm having an opportunity to fight for the UFC. Yeah, oh, can I you. jump in on this real quick? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we were talking about you know like there's different divisions for different sports. 
and even in Europe, they do it different than here. So I know we've got some listeners over in uh, in Brussels, in Belgium, soccer. I know in England, there's like 14 leagues. So like there's amateur teams and they're all, you know, from like Manchester United, they can be dropped down to the 14th team. That's an amateur group of 40 year olds. So, and then, you know, in baseball, there's double A, triple A, single A. And uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to know, like, you know, what was your path or is there a set path or like, how does that work in MMA? Because I feel like there's so many different leagues and it's kind of confusing. So you could break that down to be honest. Yeah. So, well, with MMA, it's more so there isn't really a clear path. So that's, that's the weird thing about MMA is like, you can know people like you have a good agent or you just know people in the business and you might have an easier time getting into UFC or you can grind it out and get your record up and be 10 and 0 with you know finishing everybody and then you get a call from the UFC you could get in on short notice because some guy missed what like like the kid that's fighting Chris uh, Knight, yeah, Chris Lowe, whatever his last name is yeah like, like you could you could get in like that like there's there's no like set path and like hey if you do this this and this you're then you're going to get to UFC and that's not that's not how it works because like football right Football, you play Pop Warner, Pee Wee, all that stuff. Then you get to high school, and then you get right. You 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 got scouters coming to check you out for college ball, and you go play college, and then you got scouters looking for you for the NFL, or you go do the combine. That's 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 like a set path. Like everybody knows how you get to the NFL. So as far as I go, I, I had amateur fights, and then once you get the the uh, I guess requirements to be able to go pro, you go pro and you're ready. Or you can go out of state and fight somewhere that you can just go straight pro either way. Um, and then when you are pro, it's, then it's really up to you as far as like how your career goes. So for me, uh, back to what you were saying, Grayson, is I had just fought a big uh, – You're covering your mic. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, like, so like I was saying, um, so, oh, so I had a big fight. It was a main event. Uh, for NFC, okay, and I was fighting the number two fighter in Georgia. I beat him. I destroyed him. He was a black belt from Brazil. Murdered him on the ground. Murdered him stand up. Right at forty five, and then right after that, my boy Josh Rafferty. He was on the Ultimate Fighter season one, but he also trains with me at uh, Eber State Jiu Jitsu Club. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Yo, he's like, you got to get in the UFC like right now, dude." He's like, "You're seven and two. He's like, you're on a three fight win streak because you're killing everybody." He's like. Cause there's nobody for you to fight right now. So he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to put in a good word. My boy, Danny, uh, Dan Rubenstein, who's my current agent from Ruby sports and entertainment. And he's like, you know, talk to him. He's like, he can get you in. And so I ended up signing with uh, Danny pretty soon after that. And then he told me, he's like, you know, I might be able to get you on the contender series in July. He's like, but I'm not sure. He's like, until then, if I don't find out anything, he's like, let's start setting up. Uh, another fight another fight before then so we can it'll give you a better chance to get in there so we actually tried to set up like two or three other like fights like i mean they were all title fight one was for cffc one was for uh like some some other place up northeast and uh like and 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 everybody either they either turned down yeah they well they all turned out the fight they they basically had like one of them had two options and they chose like a really crappy dude to fight because they wanted an easy fight which 
whatever. It makes sense, I guess. You're trying to get to the UFC. Uh, anyway, everybody pulled out. Nobody wanted to fight. And then I was actually sitting right here or laying in my bed. And he just texted me. Um, he texted me the name of my opponent. And then he put the date. He was just like, July 31st. And then sent me the topology of Stephen Wynn. Did he tell and you was, it was Contender Series or he just told you? He first? said it was, no, he said it was Contender Series. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, I was like, hell yeah. You know, because, and I was like, okay, Stephen Wynn's, I think it was 7 and 0 at the time when we fought. So I was like, sweet. I was like, you know, let's get it. And my girl was, you know, super stoked. And it's funny because, like, whenever I get an, uh, a name and like a date and stuff, I'm never like excited about it. Like, my heart drops. I feel like all like butterflies in my stomach. And I'm like, <gasps> I'm like oh, God, I got to fight. Even though, like, that's what you've been waiting for. As soon as I get the fight, I'm like, no. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. It's just like a realization. Yeah, and I just I remember like all I sent him back was a, uh, a, a emoji with the, with the glass the sunglasses. I sent it back. I said, "Cool." <laughs> and that <was> it. <laughs> That's all they did for you. Did you, you obviously had to sign a contract or something like that, right? Like, for oh yeah. I mean, he sent me the contract later. So like, um, so I got the contract. I signed it. Sent it back out. And then what the UFC has you do is fly out to Vegas. So we flew out to Vegas for three days. We had to do the filming, the, the pre-fight interview, yeah. all the all the promotional stuff. And this is like two months out from the fight. And then you go back home, you do your whole camp, and then you fly out for the fight. So, yeah. so did you get in his face like talking crap, like grabbing the mic? Throwing nah, it. You know, you know what's <laughs> funny is the, the interview process uh, for the Contender Series, it's like an hour – or 45 minutes long like they're asking you a lot of questions and you're just trying to you know tell your story you're basically giving your entire life story but they only take about a minute or two yeah like, like a, an instagram yeah post amount yeah, yeah. Like, they, they, like, go, go fork yourself you little rat yeah like and they, they try to they try to get like the the little sound bites you know they want to hear you saying like oh my opponent's gonna be bleeding after yeah. the fight and blah blah yeah. blah I tried really hard not to give them anything like to like, you know, try and pin me in a bot in a hole or whatever. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think they might have thrown something. I don't really remember, but it was cool. They're kind of trying to make your, your character right there. You know, like um, I remember I was reading about Colby Covington and like before he fought Damian Maya, he was like super humble, super nice yeah. guy, like super calm. And then they went up to him before the Maya fight it was the last fight on his contract. And they were like, look, we're cutting you if you win or lose. Like, you're done. Yep. We don't want you anymore. Like, you're done. So he was like, damn. And he's running through everyone, too. He's not losing fights. Yeah. He's winning. Yeah. And he's like, damn, I got to switch it up. So then he goes to Brazil for the press conference. And he's just like, fuck Damian Maya, Fuck Brazil. Like, all this stuff. And then he beats Damian Maya, And then they're like, we can work with this. We can do this. You know, so that's why it sucks. Like, when, when people hate guys that, that do talk smack, it's like some people are assholes. You know, in every right. sport, there are some assholes. Right. But some people, they got to do it to make money, you know, and it, it yeah. sucks. And it sucks that it's that way, but there is an entertainment aspect to our sport, you know, there yeah. really is. And and being when I was at the PI for, you know, I was out in Vegas for six months, mm -hmm. you know, you would hear who's like nice and who's like mean and all that stuff like that. And you'd also meet them too. And Colby Covington apparently is like, the nicest person mm -hmm. like one of the nicest fighters out there anybody that comes in contact with him he's super nice he's friendly and it's all just show and you know like you said it sucks that like he has to do that to one make more money 
to stay in the promotion and just like to have people watch him fight. But you know, that's the sport we're in. We're 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 in the entertainment sport. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I think uh, brought you know the UFC up so quickly, and like other leagues, like the MLB, you see now they have a limit. I'm not sure of the technicalities, but they don't do enough promotion. Like if you ask a kid today, you know, who their favorite athlete is, you know, they might say a football player. They might even say Conor McGregor, but you're not going to hear them say Mike Trout or Cody Bellinger. You know what I mean? Two of the best baseball players. And that's all because like uh, even the NFL, they'll mic up their players and uh, the UFC, you know, they do the, press conferences and you know it's all about like social media that's what all the kids are looking at nowadays but i mean in in baseball is like you know it's sad to say it's like a, a dying sport the game takes too long it's not exciting but the ufc is the complete opposite of baseball where it's just you know bare knuckle just well not bare knuckle but you know, what I mean. right, right. you know what i mean like just you know gritty entertaining and you know, you don't really have to know a lot about fighting to be a fan, too, which I think is cool. Oh, yeah, and I do agree with, with you on that, Meech. I feel like there are things I obviously have opinions that I don't think the UFC and Dana White do properly, but, I mean, that's about any organization. But I think when it comes to promoting their fighters and promoting their cards, there's no one that does it like the UFC. They just yeah. they attack yeah. everything, bro. And even some of the stuff they do is so cringe. Like, like they had Addison Ray, the TikTok star, at the UFCPI, like I'm not a fan of that, but dude, that's a whole new audience they're attacking yeah. that they never had before. Yeah, genius. It's genius. Can you name me the commissioner of the MLB? No idea. No. <laughs> no exactly. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> Manfred. I don't even know if that's his name. But <laughs> now, exactly. that's the next the thing. Players I want to the players hate him because they can't even. They're they they make a lot of money in baseball because there's still those old timers that watch it and there's you know just brands like the Yankees that are just huge but no one goes to the games really no one watches it on TV that's for sure yeah. people people go to games but i mean you know there's some teams like the Oakland Athletics they're not even making enough money to to get a new stadium the city won't pay for it so it's like they might have to move and you know, you don't see that happening with like the NFL or even the NBA is, you know, pretty big. But um, but yeah, yeah, I want to I want to touch back on the uh, the UFCPI. So, um, mistake if I miss if I say anything wrong, let me know. But from what I remember from from doing my homework on you, uh, you went to the PI because this is when I first met you was like right before you went to the PI. It was like right before you got your fight announced. You right. trained like maybe three to four weeks in a row. That was when like I first started to get to meet you and then you left for the PI. And if I'm not mistaken, it's because of COVID and like your mom or your grandma, you didn't want to give it to her. Correct. It was because so COVID hit and then, you know, my girlfriend was like, you know, Hey, I don't want you training all these places. Cause you know, her mom, we live, we live we, like, she lives with us and everything. We're all living together. So it's me and her mom and me. And, uh, you know, I was like, I got to keep training. Like, I was like, there's no way I can just not train, you know, and hope this, you know, thing blows over or whatever and just get out of shape. So she's like, well, if you're going to train and keep training, she's like, I don't want you bringing it here. She's like, you need to go somewhere else. So, and it was funny because at the same time she told me that 
I was already, I was actually dog sitting a house for like six weeks. So I wasn't at the house. So I was able to train That's good. Um, for that six weeks. And then my agent called me and was like, Hey, it might be good for you to get out of Florida for a bit because this is when, this is when Florida was really hot. Yeah, This is when it first hit. Yeah. Cause I met yeah. you at the very beginning of COVID. Right. So, you know, he was like, you might want to get out of Florida, come to Vegas. And, you know, cause at least he's like, you know, the, the, the apex is right next door. So he's like, you have a better chance of getting a fight if you're here right next to it. And I can, you know, throw out to Sean and be like, Hey, Alon's out here, you know, training, he's ready to fight, you know? So that was all the whole reason. So I hit up coach Casey out there in Vegas. He's the owner of 10 planet Vegas. Okay. And, you know, told him, Hey, do you have any rooms? Do you know anybody that like, you know, can, you know, help, you know, house me while I'm out there. And he was like, he was like, yeah, he's like, you just come stay with me. So I stayed with coach Casey for six months and it wasn't really originally supposed to be for six months. I was really supposed to go out there. I think I left in, I think I left July 25th and I was planning on fighting August, like late August, like maybe like a month is what I was trying to be out there for. And as soon as I got out there, I actually, one of my last wrestling sessions with Mahmoud, um, Carlos had picked me up from a single leg and he took me down and I landed on my shoulder I actually uh, partially, partially tore my, uh, my labrum. And uh, so I was just doing physical therapy for the whole month of August, just yeah. trying to, like, get my shoulder back. And then after that, it was like every month I was just waiting. He was like, oh, yeah, there's a fight coming up. Uh, we're trying to get you in September. And then that would blow over. And then I was like, all right, well, maybe it's October. And then that would blow over. And so, like, every month I just kept thinking I was fighting and I really wasn't. And we got all the way to, I want to say, December. Yeah, you announced that, I'm pretty sure, like, what, late December, early January? Yeah, so once, so he was like, all right, he's like, Sean's going to put you against Uros in March. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I was like, damn, it's three months from now. So <laughs> I was like, well, let me, so I was like, let me go home for the, the holidays. So I came home for, like, three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I actually drove my car back out because I was renting a car the entire time. And uh, and then I did the rest of my camp out there in Vegas, and then you know that was it. And I fought. Now, so for before I, I go into depth a little more on this, so for everyone that's listening, and even Meech that don't know what the UFC PI is, the the UFC has different performance institutes throughout the entire country, in which their fighters are allowed to go there and train whenever they want, and they have like rehabilitation, they have physical therapy, they have coaches that'll help you. I mean, it's the whole nine yards, and I feel like that's one thing the UFC has that I think is awesome. That no no there's, that, there's actually only two. Too, yeah. Sorry. There's to make one in China or something too. They have one in China. So China's one of them. Okay. And then the one in Vegas is the only other yeah. one. And actually the one in China is four times bigger than the one here in Vegas, which is crazy because if you've been into the PI, like you see how big it is. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even fathom what four times bigger than that would be. Yeah. Now can you give us this is where I was gonna lead into like what was mm-hmm. it like like at the PI? Like who'd you meet? What did you do there? Like, what was your regimen? I know you were doing, uh, you had like a bunch of trainers there working on you. Like, yep. what did you like? Any fighters that you didn't really like know of or care for that you end up liking and vice versa or anything like that? My bad. Yeah. Just to clarify real quick. So it's just a giant gym facility where everyone in the UFC can go compete at. Whenever they want. Correct. Correct. So wow. it's, it's, it's that as well as they have like their office area where they do like promotion, their video stuff, all their – editors and stuff there's like a business area as well and that's where dana's at and they're doing their fighter meet or the the matchmaking meetings but you 
the fighters aren't allowed to go over there no, because I mean, which makes sense. I mean, yeah. cause imagine if Dana White was walking around the PI and you know where the fighters are at, people would be bothering him all day, all day. trying to get fights and stuff. Oh yeah. So can it, um, can it be for amateurs that like could Grayson go over there or no? The only way you can get into the PI if you're not a fighter, a UFC fighter, is if you're going with a UFC fighter. So we can bring up the four. You could bring up the four people in. Tamina Long can hold hands walking in through the front door. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And they won't. They won't. They literally won't let you. Can't even get into the front gate if you're not if you're not a fighter or with a fighter. Like it's impossible. So just Um, like I said, it's a little more depth and analysis of what that was like. What you liked about it. What you didn't like about it. Like everything. So they also so they have nutritionists there. So I was working with their nutritionists every day. They make all your meals. If you want their meals, you can make their meals. And so I was taking advantage of it. So I get to eat free every day, three meals a day with snacks and everything. And my nutritionist is like, uh, you know, checking my portions. She's checking my weight. She's like, okay, uh, I'm going to take out this for the day. So they're helping my weight cut the whole time. There's also getting, I'm getting physical therapy done every day over there, uh, which is amazing because physical therapy is so expensive if you've ever you know, had to go pay for it, but you're getting it for free every single day and you can get it multiple times a day. They have a whole recovery uh, area with a sauna, a hot tub, a cold tub, uh, laser light therapy. Um, There's, there's a full size octagon upstairs. There's a whole mat area bags upstairs. Downstairs, they have the strength conditioning area, which they have strength conditioning coaches, which is who I was, I was working with Matt Crawley was one of the coaches there um i mean it's really just a resource for everything like there's nothing there that uh, other than like you're not gonna get a jiu-jitsu coach there you're not gonna get a striking coach there but everything else you can get at the pi like there's really nothing there and, and they're always there to help you out like if you ask them like you can ask some random like I, i'm out of duct tape you guys have duct tape and they'll give you duct tape like you know what i mean like they're trying to accommodate the fighters um oh yeah, so i, I was, like so I, i'm sorry you are yeah, no, so I would say so. So, my regimen, as far as like, so I would go to Extreme Couture in the morning, Wednesday and Friday mornings. I would go straight to the PI, do physical therapy. I had, and then I'd wait an hour. I would go do sports psychology, maybe upstairs. And then I would do strength conditioning. And then I would go home. I would relax for an hour, go wrestle, go home, relax for an hour. And then I go back out to jujitsu, and it was pretty much literally every single day I was at the PI doing mm-hmm. physical therapy, and you know whatever else, strength conditioning three days a week. Now you said that uh, there's not like personal coaches there, but I've seen a lot of videos of like, uh, like I said, I've never been there obviously, but I'm a, as a someone who's obsessed with the MMA like a nerd. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of videos of like Henry Hooft going there, and like other yeah. guys that aren't on his team will be like, "Yo, can you we, you hit mitts for us and I'll help him?" I've seen videos of like George St. Pierre being there helping guys. So I feel like even though like there's like we're all it's individuals so we're all like each other's enemy like or target i feel like mm-hmm. at the same time like it's very helpful and like everyone wants to see everyone succeed yeah i mean you, yeah because you can bring in your own coaches mm-hmm. and you can also run classes there so like what we would do is i would you know like our 10th planet and extreme if we wanted to hold a MMA session there or a wrestling session, then I would just tell the front desk, I'd be like, hey, I want to reserve the red mats for four o'clock to five o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then everybody would show up. We go in, we do our class, and then we leave. 
you know, that's how, that's how a lot of people do it. I mean, especially if you've got the PI there and you've got, you can use the actual octagon that you're going to be fighting in. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge thing to have. Or if you don't have room at your gym, you've got the giant red mats to use as space, you know, and then you've got the showers downstairs, you've got protein, you can have the, um, the smoothie station, you can have them make you a drink or a pre it's all free, everything. It's all free. Everything's that is free. Insane. So, um, and, 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 and it makes sense because the UFC is trying to, you know, promote the PI and they want their fighters to come by and, yeah. you know, do all the diagnostics and, you know, use yeah. the facility. It looks yeah, good. Question. Sorry to cut you off, but no. are there guys that are so rich, like the, the biggest fighters, let's say, uh, uh McGregor, just cause he's fighting tonight. Like are there guys that think they're too good to, you know, be at the PIs with, you know, say that guys that have fought one match or something like that. Or... No, I didn't really run into anybody like that. I mean, I, sh- I saw Connor at the PI. I mean, I don't think he was training. He was actually there to do uh, an interview with Ariel Hawani upstairs. It was for the cowboy fight. And don't bring it up. I, I briefly met him. No. Super nice guy. Uh, Israel Sanya's and they're using their using their physical therapist. And yeah, I see him. He's, I see that he's in there a lot. It's always uh, yeah. like Michael Chiesa, right? Huh? Michael Chiesa goes there a bunch too. I'm pretty sure. Oh, Michael Chiesa too. Yeah, he's really good. He's really good friends with uh, Coach Casey too. So he always comes through. Um, or he's at Syndicate with uh, John Wood. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there really wasn't anybody that feels like. I think the PI is just kind of like a neutral place for like all the fighters like you could you could run into somebody who's in your weight class and there's no like real ill will the only times really the only times i ever like that there were people that didn't like each other and they had to like separate um like put their certain times at different times so they didn't run into each other were girls like girls are just i guess they're just i guess girls are just savage they were girls it was always girls of course of course of course It'd be like, oh, yeah, so-and-so, awesome. so, like, they don't like each other, so we have to schedule their times for PT at a different time so they can't run into each other. But yeah. other than that, like, so everybody gets their are civil. Like, is it – would you say it's yeah. more of an act, like, when guys are going head-to-head, like Poirier and McGregor? Like, no. No, I, I think when it comes to when – when you get matched up with somebody and you're getting close to a fight and you're doing those type of events – I don't think that's fake. But if you had seen Poirier and Connor um, in the PI together before they got matched up again, they'd probably be civil. They probably like there wouldn't be an issue. But now that they got matched up again, it, it changes things. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. I want to, I want to back piggyback off that. Um, both guys. So I, I'm, I only have two fights. I'm two and zero right now. But both guys I fought were super, super nice dudes. Super cool guys, and I respected them a bunch. But like, the second I got that text, like so and so is who you're fighting, it was completely. I didn't care how nice he was. I didn't care who, what his reason was. It was like, I'll that man has a target on his head, and I'm gonna come after him. And then the second it's over, we're cool, bro. Like I, I texted both kids after I fought them. I thanked them and everything. But like, like, like you're saying, Alon, like when it's game time, it's game time. Like you're my enemy until until we shake hands and get my hand raised. You know. So I understand yep. that 100. percent and it's, and it's not really anything personal either. It's just what you have to do mentally to get yourself in to, to, to get ready for a physical altercation with another killer yeah. who's trying to kill you in a cage. Well, and like, uh, I can't remember who it was, but someone on, on Rogan talked about it. And they're like, 
it's way easier to fight someone you don't like. You know, if you can convince yourself you don't like them, it's a lot easier to fight them. You know, yeah. that's, I feel like that happens a lot. I think that's another unique part about the UFC. Like, I remember, like, when I played high school football, we had a crosstown rival, dude, and we hated those guys, you know? Like, like we actually hated them, you know? And, uh, you know, we didn't have respect for them after the game or before the game. We hated the school. We hated the colors. We hated the field. We hated the kids that went to the other school. So, I don't know. That it's uh, it's like a unique thing. I feel like, but I could see how you know you have respect for another fighter like that, especially in a, a professional setting. You know, yeah. Well, to I, high school. Well, but, I think what it is is you know, you have so much respect already for anybody that steps into the cage in general, and then also even more respect for somebody who's made it into the UFC or at a higher level because you know the hard work and the time and sacrifice they put in to get there and that you had to do the same thing. So there's already an ultimate respect. And also that like, there's no point in fighting or, you know, really getting uh, too emotional about anything because we both know we could like kill each other on a certain day. Like one day I could be the one who's getting murdered or the other guys would be the one getting murdered. Yeah. It's always, it's kind of like a 50, 50 toss up really um, aside from whoever's prepared better and, you know, sometimes you zig when you should have zagged. Yeah, no, and, like, yeah. the thing that I tell people all the time, too, is, like, if I have, like, a like a mat, like a fight, or, like, even, like, in practice, or, like, even when I wrestled growing up, and, like, uh, it was a kid I didn't like, we went to war, and it was, like, a split, like, a split decision, like, a one-point match. I was, like, dude, I know how hard I worked and how much I sacrificed, and for that kid to respect me enough to do the same for us to be that close, like, you got to respect him, you know? That's like the way I always thought about it. Like, I know how much I put on the table and for me to barely beat him, that means he respected my skill and my ability enough to train just as hard as me, you know, and that's yep. just like a respect thing already. And then you already have martial arts already built on respect and discipline and all that too, you know, and like besides like your street fighters and stuff, like it, it's all respect, dude, like hundred percent. I remember one time I was at the Cove in Deerfield beach and uh, I met Rashad Evans. He was just there. What? Yeah, and no one really recognized him. And I was like, yo, that's Rashad Evans. And I went up over and I got a picture with him. And he was like the nicest guy ever. I was like, yo, this guy could literally whoop everyone here yep. in the bar, like no problem. And he's just, you know, the nicest guy ever. Like he's wearing just like a fishing shirt and, you know, some cargo shorts, like a normal guy. And I was like, dang, this dude's like a – certified professional killer but he was like the nicest guy ever he's like nice to meet you man i was like oh thanks for the picture but that was pretty cool he's like a legend rashad yeah Yeah. but like all that see like when we go to school on we go to fau and boca so you got like boca deerfield uh fort lauderdale pompano beach like all that like coconut creek so like there's i i trained at uh at att sunrise down there wolfpack mma with like uh roger craw and charles mccarthy and talita and all them but I would see on the regular, like Michael Chandler, Anthony Johnson, because Sanford and ATT headquarters are right there. Like we would go out to clubs and see Colby Covington partying. Like they're all, yeah. they all live there too. And people forget like, like, yeah, their status is cool, but they are normal people too. Like they still want to get drunk and like have a good time too. Yeah, uh, South Florida too. I don't know. Fort Lauderdale, something like that. Who? Rashad Evans. Yeah. He's same with uh, E-Train with Black Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, – yeah, 
Let's start on the, <laughs> let's start getting after this uh, UFC 264. So uh, I'll see the card. We all get what we think and we'll move on. So obviously the first opening is uh, Sean O'Malley versus, I don't know how to pronounce the kid's last name, but Chris Motino. Mo- Motino? Um, so for everyone that doesn't understand, Sean O'Malley is one of the biggest rising prospects in the sport right now. Hate him or like him, you can't disagree with that. And he's known for having a big mouth and calling everyone out and then fighting unranked guys. So he was originally supposed to fight Smolka, but Smolka got like staff or something and backed out. So now he's fighting a kid from the CFFC who's making his debut in the opening of the Connor card. So uh, my, my thing real quick, if you're Sugar Sean, uh, I don't know why he took this fight. I think he should have taken Ricky Simone or Kelleher at 45. They were all down for it. I don't understand that. Um, UFC wise, it's genius because you, you're pretty damn guaranteed that he's going to have a walk-off KO and a lot of people are going to be hyped. And from that kid's point of view, Chris, what a freaking opportunity, bro. You know, like it's literally like a dream. Like you're a professional fighter. You're nine and four. You're not too crazy. No one really knows about you. And then you get a random call from Dana and he's like, yeah, uh, you're going to fight on the, your UFC debut is going to be the opening fight on the, on the Conor McGregor card against Sugar Sean O'Malley. Like, what an opportunity, bro. I, I respect that kid so much for stepping up and take that on short notice. Like, it's genius on his part. You know, because everyone's got a puncher's chance. And we, you know that damn well, Alon. Like, everyone's got a puncher's chance. Yep. Now, I don't think he's going to win. I think Sean's going to no, tee he's... off on him. But the thing is, if, if this kid loses, regardless if he wins or loses, and he doesn't get finished or destroyed, that's a win in his book. Because that looks really bad on Sugar. They're, they're like, Sugar's an 1,100 favorite, you know? So, like, even if this kid just that's gives crazy. him a fight, like, that's a win in that kid's books. 10-day notice on a big prospect like that. But at the end of the day, to be safe, I'm going Sugar finish easily second round. I think the kid's yeah. going to stand and bang the, set, the first round, maybe shy away a little. You know, Sugar sometimes tries to force the knockout too quick. But I think second round, it's over. This, this Chris Moutinho kid, he's uh, five foot six. They're both 135 pounds. O'Malley's 5'9". And uh, O'Malley's got a four-inch advantage reach. And uh, just like you said, my non-expert opinion is uh, O'Malley for sure. I would love for this kid to sleep him, though. I would. I think that would be amazing. I just, <laughs> I just don't see it happening. What, what, are you, what are you thinking, Alon? What do you think, Alon? Yeah, well, so the thing is, like, you know, I, I listened to him talk about the whole matchup process. Um, so like you said, he, he said he'd take the Ricky Simone fight, but Ricky Simone said that, or they originally said they could do 35 and then they came back and said they can't do 35. They could do 45, like you said. And I guess they went through a whole line of, you know, Bantamweights who they couldn't make 35. He only wanted to fight at 35, which I, I can't really fault him for that because he only walks around like 150 pounds, like when he's that close to weight or when he's that close to the fight. So, you know, to go from cutting 15 pounds where you're going to have a size advantage to going only to only cutting five pounds where you're probably going to lose your size advantage because, you know, if Ricky Simone is only is cutting 15, 20 pounds to get to 45, he's going to be the bigger, stronger guy. So I don't I don't really blame him for that. And then, you know, Chris, it's not like he's the one who who picked him out. Right. Because they gave him a list and. And that was the only one who can make 35 from what I know, from what he's, what he said and what the UFC is. Oh, yeah, I, heard, I heard the same thing. Right. So, and Chris is, 
two and two in his last four fights. He's on a two-fight win streak, and he lost the last two before that. So, you know, I mean, it's really on the Bantamweights who are calling him out, but they couldn't make the weight. Like, even Cody Stanton, like Cody Stanton was my boy. He called him out. He's like, well, we can do it at a catch weight. And it's like, well, he doesn't want to do a catch weight. Mm. You can't really fault him for that, right? Yeah, I so, know, and he, like, and he, if did, he would have known prior that it was a 45. Your whole nutrition plan is completely different. It's yeah, a completely it has, right. different animal. And he's already right. 10 days out. So you already know he's been trying to make 35. So I don't, I personally don't blame him on that. I'm with you on that. Yeah. And um, I can't remember what I was going to say. Anyway, I definitely probably take, I take Sean, um, you know, obviously, probably by, I mean, he's, he's calling a second round knockout um i probably say it goes down in the first two rounds whether it's the first or the second and but like you said this is this kid's chance to take all of his clout and you know get a name for himself you know just like uh alice hernandez did against benil dariush when he came in on five days notice 100%. knocked him out in the first round you know and took all that clout yeah. and then he had a little run you know going through um who else? Oh, Lana Venata when he fought Tony Ferguson almost beat him on like a day two two days nose or whatever it was. Um, so there's it, it's a win win for this kid. Um, for Sean, he needs to steamroll him. He needs to he needs to finish him. I agree. Uh, oh, I don't even say he he just needs to win in dominant fashion. This kid could be tough and you might not be able to finish him, but he definitely needs to win, you know, in a dominant fashion. And because if he doesn't, then I don't know if his stock goes down, but people are going to look at him kind of, you know, kind of funny when he's starting to call other people out. Yeah. So if I had like if someone forced me to say why I had to pick the other kid. Right. Obviously, I don't think it's going to happen. But the only factors are when I used to wrestle uh, under Coach Sal Basil at Jesuit Prestigious Coast, three time back to back to back state champions at uh, Springstead. He would say the scariest match for the number one kid in the state is an unranked kid because that kid, the number one kid is thinking he's a nobody. So his mental might be different. And then that other kid has the opportunity of a lifetime, you know? So that's the only thing I think could help this Chris kid is like sugar might overlook him. And this kid has his back. He has nothing to lose whatsoever. So that's the only thing that might change it. But I just, I, I really think sugar's focused. I really do. I was Begging yeah, with Simone fight, though. I love Ricky Simone. Yeah, he's good. He's, he's super good. That yeah. a great matchup. The next fight on this card is Irene Aldena and Yana Kunsikaya. I don't know who either one of these girls are. Dude, these uh, women look scary as hell. <laughs> Yana, Yana is Tiago Santos's wife. No way. Um, so she's yeah, she's girl. she's about as tall as I am. She's like five eleven. I'm six foot, but she's like five eleven. Yana, big old. Yeah, big old Russian that's girl. Five six. And, no, they say five, that. Five. They say that, but she's actually like five eleven. Damn, that's a I, big girl. And um, she fought. She fought Cyborg. I don't know if you remember. She got murdered by Cyborg, but in UFC or Strike Force? No, in UFC. No, I don't remember that. And then um, Irene. Irene's actually really good. But she actually missed weight uh, by four no. and a half pounds. One thirty nine point five. Even up thirty percent of her purse. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think Irene wins it. Um, she's a better striker. Yana's going to probably try and take her down. Um, 
the odds are literally like dead even. It's one hundred five and one fifteen. Really? Yeah. So it's either Yana's going to take her down and ground and pound and control her, or Irene's going to piece her up in the stand up game. Damn, dude. Uh, Yana has a seventy three point one two significant strike percentage. That is insane. That's crazy. That is insane. Yeah, I don't really know much, but um, uh, being an ATT guy, training at I trained at headquarters for a year. I trained down south at Wolfpack, and I trained here at Tampa. I, I got to go with the ATT girl. They're just really good at getting people ready for big fights. And obviously, with Diago Santos as her husband, I feel like her mental is going to be there. I think she's going to be she's going to be good. Like I said, I don't really know much about these two girls though. But I mean, fighting Cyborg that's a good win or lose. If you fight a huge person like that, that's experience. Yeah, you know? for sure. And this card being a Conor McGregor card, like a lot of people are going to be shell shocked with the amount of people and the energy that's going to be there. So she already has at least some experience of fighting a big name. So that might help calm the storm down a little, in my opinion. Me too. Right. Scariness factor alone, I'm going Irene. <laughs> I would. I, I don't think I could last 10 seconds in the ring with her. No way. No way. She's got big tree trunk legs, too. Oh, that's scary. That is scary. She so, is uh, she's looking serious. So. so next fight up, we got uh, – I think this is the weirdest fight to put on the fight card. Is Greg Hardy, is he the Hardy, Yeah. What the? Yeah. Dude, he's a um, beast on the Cowboys. Yeah, but I just don't think he's touching Ty to Greg Hardy was is unbelievable. He's, he's one of those guys we talked about earlier. Like, he's just a freak athlete and could make the adjustment to any sport he chose to, you know? I've met him. I've, I've seen him train when I was at headquarters. Giant human being. Giant. But he hasn't fought anybody. The guys he beats up on are terrible. And Tai Tuivasa is a very legitimate heavyweight. He's very good. You know, the guy is bombs. I think I uh, I think Greg Hardy's going to go out there and try to, like, force something. I think Ty's just going to catch him. I, I got Ty with a finish. He, I don't know what round, but I don't see Greg Hardy doing anything. Who's Greg Hardy fought? Nobody. Uh, he fought – well, he fought Volkov. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And then – But he lost. Marcin Tabura is probably his other biggest fight. His most recent fight has lost. Mm-hmm. Um, which he was piecing up Marcin in the first round. The second round, Marcin came out, and I think that's when Greg Hardy gassed out, and then Marcin just TKO'd him. Like he just kind of quit and just didn't want to fight anymore. Yeah, who but you, who uh, you I, I probably take. I, I don't. I got Greg Hardy. No, I don't way. like him. I don't like him. Um, but I just think he's so athletic. It's from football, I mean, he's an athlete. He's just a true athlete. Yeah. Um, he hits hard. He's super explosive. And if he gets it done, I think it's in the first round. And then Tai Tuivasa, I think he just – he's about the life, right? He's about getting it in and, and yeah. banging it out with he's people. Down, he's like that Max Holloway lifestyle. Like, we're going to stand here and slug it but out. I think a little too much. Like, he'll he'll be, you know, getting into exchanges that he shouldn't be. And he'll get caught sometimes. And I just think if he gets caught by Greg Hardy, then Greg Hardy finishes him. So, I'm going to take Greg Hardy. That's crazy. Yeah, Greg Hardy's a bad dude. If I'm not mistaken, what they kicked him out of the NFL because he was getting in trouble. No, I'm pretty sure he's beating his wife. Pretty yeah, sure. that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, it's a lot worse than what what you were trying to say was. Okay, I thought, <laughs> I thought it was like a firearm, but that's pretty horrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bro, and I would tell you right now, like, look, I don't know this man. I don't want to speak anything on his downfall. Like, he could obviously be a way better person. Now. I believe everyone deserves a second chance. But when I first met him at headquarters. 
I remember seeing him and I was like, there's no woman on the planet that's going to stop him from beating her. Like, he is right. so massive. No doubt. So massive. When he was Six, playing five, 265, bro, that's a huge human. Yeah. yeah, he was like one of the best DNs in the league. Yeah, for the Cowboys. What I know about him from football, I'm going with Greg Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> now, the next fight is my personal favorite fight on this entire card. Wonderboy Thompson versus Burns. Oh, Wonderboy. Wonderboy's a minus 160, Burns a plus Dude, 135. So, for people that uh, need a little background on this, since I'm hyping this fight up so much, Gilbert Burns, long-life uh, teammates with Kamaru Usman, kind of always sat in his shadow a little. They went on a crazy – like, COVID kind of helped his career. Went on a crazy run during COVID. Had a war with Usman. Uh, got finished. So, he's on a hot streak right now. And then Thompson fought Tyron, tied, and then lost. I think I believe it was a split decision. Then was doing fine and then just got caught by Anthony Pettis. That kind of yeah. set him back down. He had to reclimb up. But since then, he beat Vicente Luque in a very dominating fashion. And then he beat uh, Geoff Neal in a very dominating fashion. So yeah. – um, if I had this to pick, I'm gonna pick Wonder Boy because I believe this fight is just a very bad stylistic matchup for Burns. I think Wonder Boy is gonna keep the distance, keep him out. I think his cardio is better too. I think he's gonna chop chop down the legs of Burns. And the only way Burns is gonna win is if he one takes it down to the ground, which is almost impossible to take Wonder Boy down. Yeah, and then the no. second thing is he's got to catch him with a bomb with the hands. And I don't think Wonder Boy's gonna let him get in that close. I think it's it's gonna be a very explosive first round from Burns and then it's going to get mentally frustrated. And it's going to start teetering down. I think Wonder Boy is going to keep it simple. Ones and twos move. Ones and twos move. Just chop that tree. I got Wonder Boy unanimous decision. I also have uh Wonder Boy winning as well. I think his distance control and, you know, his, his technique is just flawless compared to anybody who's striking with him. If you stay on the outside of Wonder Boy, he's going to pick anybody apart. Now saying that, Gilbert is teammates with Vicente Luque. Mm -hmm. He's fought him. He knows what it's like in there. He's probably the best person to tell, you know, what he sees and what he, you know, what he mistakes he made to counter whatever Wonderboy is going to do. And as well as if you rewatch the Vicente Luque and Wonderboy fight, which I did because the UFC put it up on their YouTube, um, Vicente caught Wonderboy a few times like like he would kind of like I don't want to say bum rush but kind of like aggressively bum rush him and what, the thing is with Wonderboy style he has to fight with his hands down a lot yeah. because of his movement that's just how he fights and he was getting he was getting hit with a few combos like pretty good with his hands down because he's trying to slip out or he's trying to move. back and forth yeah so I mean it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to get caught by Gil because um, he has Gil, Gilbert hit, hits a lot harder than Vicente yeah. does. Gilbert has bombs. Right. So if he's able to get into any of those exchanges that Vicente was able to create, he could he could catch Wonder Boy and knock him out. But you know that's also gonna leave Gilbert uh, vulnerable. Him trying to run in anybody that tries to run in on Wonder Boy, you're putting yourself in danger of getting very, knocked very out. Danger, yeah. So it's it's a it's an interesting fight, you know, because one guy is trying to take the distance, take the space and distance away to either get the takedown or get the big shot. And the other one's trying to create the distance and keep the fight at a long range match. So it'll be a really good fight. Um, but I'm going to take Warner boy. Yeah. And like the other thing right before you go, Meach, I'm sorry, is like what you were saying is not only the Vicente Luque thing is going to help Burns. I think Henry Hoof's one of the greatest striking coaches in the entire world. Yeah. So yeah. I think having him by his side is going to help him a lot as well, for sure. But I, I still, like you said, I just don't, it, the percentage of, of Burns landing a, a bomb versus Wonderboy keeping them out, it's not – they don't equal. Mm -hmm. Meech, what yeah. we thinking? 
I've never heard of Burns before. I love Wonder Boy, and uh, he's minus 160 Wonder Boy. So these fights are pretty even. These odds, like uh, Greg Hardy's plus 110, depending on where you look. Well, the O'Malley fights landslide, but everything else. Oh, yeah, yeah, the O'Malley. O'Malley's like minus 1,000. Minus, yeah, minus 1,000. Yeah. So, uh yeah, I hope Wonderboy wins. I didn't know he was 38, dude. He's pretty jacked for a 38-year-old yeah. guy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah, so I guess you said Burns fights on the ground a lot. I know Wonderboy doesn't, so that should be a good fight. Getting Wonderboy to the ground is a freaking monster of a mission. Yep. He's, like, got long legs, and, like, that's just not the way he fights, dude. He's, yeah. like, a, he's a kickboxer. Now for the big one, the one that everyone has been blowing my phone up for, the trilogy between the notorious Conor McGregor and Dustin the Diamond Poirier. Everyone already knows I'm picking Poirier. Probably my favorite fighter right now, outside of Alon, of course. But uh, love him, dude. I love what he's about. I love everything about him. He's an amazing human being. He's extremely entertaining, win or loss. Closest guy to finishing Khabib with that guillotine in the second round. Um I just think the only way Connor beats Poirier is if he can keep it a one-to-two boxing fight, shorten the kicks, and just throw hands and keep it one-to-two. But the problem is I don't think Connor can knock him out. I think Poirier's chin's too too strong. And Connor is very not good in the later rounds where Poirier thrives when it gets deeper. I think he's going to utilize – I think the way Poirier wins this is he utilizes it as an MMA fight. He's going to use kicks, punches, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, cage work. He's going to utilize every aspect. I think it's just going to wear down on Connor. Connor's not going to have enough. I just don't think Con- Connor's a better boxer, 100%. But this is not a boxing match. This is an MMA fight against two very high level guys. And I just think it just bothers me watching like like the interviews in the press and Connor saying he's washed and stuff. I'm like, bro, do you not realize he knocked you out five months ago? Like, are you just forgetting this? Mm-hmm. You know? But that's why I pick. I got I got Poirier. I think I think a late uh, late late fight submission or TKO, like third or fourth round. I've got I got Connor winning. Um, I just don't ever bet against Connor. I just think he's <laughs> that's safe. Dog. He's, he's just good. He's he's technically he's better. His distance control and his timing is better. He hits harder. I think he hits harder than Poirier too. Um, and he does well in rematches. I think he'll fix the mistakes that he made. Because I would even if the if Connor and Khabib fought again, I would pick Connor again. Okay, calm Khabib. down, buddy. Calm down. So yeah, no, I think he he's he's good at figuring things out, especially when he knows what exactly went wrong for the previous fight, which Dustin isn't really about that, which I don't think anybody's about standing with Connor in the first round. Yeah. No, he's the most surely. dangerous. Like Khabib that said, is, Connor is the most dangerous first round fighter in the history of the sport. Correct. So that was why it was smart for Dustin to immediately take him down. Like he, he and then but even then, if you go back and look at the fight, Connor was winning the fight. Like, Oh yeah. He was pissing him. Other than the calf kicks, that was literally the only difference in that whole fight was the calf kicks. That's what led to him getting TKO'd or, or, or knocked out. But up until that point, Connor was literally out striking Dustin and, and piecing him up. And I think if he's done the homework and he's worked on either defending the calf kick or countering it, getting out of the way, whatever it is, if it's even a, a factor in this fight, then I don't I don't see and and Connor has great takedown defense as well and I think he'll be ready for it I think he he got caught off guard thinking Dustin was down to stand with him mm-hmm. and then you know Dustin came out with the takedown so I, I I definitely I take I take Connor this fight he looks thing, good physically he looks great yeah no the only thing I want to say though is you talking about how good Connor is in a rematch statistic 
neither one of them have lost to a fighter twice ever and their entire amateur boxing anything in their entire life of competing neither one of these two have ever lost to one guy twice ever well, then one of them's gonna lose well, that. Yeah, like, or it's a draw. <laughs> they just keep milking the money out of it. But who knows? Yeah, I yeah. didn't realize the first match was in 2014. But yeah, dude, they were yeah. young. They were young, bro. Like little Corey kids. Is, he's like in his prime. Prime, would you say? Right? Yeah, like I would right say now, right now it's his peak. Yeah, and Connor's not. So I don't know how much could have possibly changed in the past. What six, five, six months? Dude, I want Connor to win, but. Dude, I honestly don't know. It should be a good fight. It's gonna be a great Connor, fight. No, yeah, it's gonna be a great fight. Connor could knock him out. You're tripping. How could he not, dude? He couldn't. I, I don't know. I think Connor could knock him out. We'll see. But yeah. you, you can at least disagree along that it's gonna be a great fight regardless. Oh, I I hope it is. I hope it's not like a quick. I I really don't even want it to be like a quick. You know, Connor goes out there, Jose Aldo type of deal yeah. that was awesome I, I hope, that was awesome it was crazy I, I was really sad for jose because i'm a big jose aldo fan like he's a probably like my number one him and you know anderson like number one number two I'm those a, are also changeable jose fan. but uh so when that happened and he didn't get the rematch i was pretty bad i was pretty mad about it but what any either way i just hope it's a, i hope it is a great fight i hope that they at least get to go one full round or at least most of the round and then I can see it finish, but I don't want it to be like someone gets slept like instantly. I agree. Only you other know? thing I want to say before we end this is Conor McGregor is one and two in the lightweight division in the UFC, and he has not won it. He's won one fight since Barack Obama has been president. That's all I got. <laughs> I saw that comment. Well, <laughs> one think about think about one of his losses, right? To Khabib, he did the best against Khabib that anybody has done against Khabib. Outside of Gaethje, I think first. like they're about. Huh? Pretty, I think Gaethje did a very good job as well in the first round. <sighs> I don't know, dude. I think Connor did a better job. He he stuffs his takedowns pretty well. I mean, against a, against a high level wrestler like Khabib too, who's been doing it since he could he could walk. Yeah, like it it, it took Khabib, you know, five or six wrestling like Connor shut down steps one, <laughs> two, three, and four, and it took Khabib to hit five and six and yeah. seven to get his actual takedowns. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I think Connor and Connor actually won a round against Khabib. I don't think it was even worth so really a round against Khabib. Gaethje won a round? Gaethje and Connor are the only two people that ever fought Khabib to win a round. Are you serious? Yeah, that's how. I think Khabib's the most dominant athlete of all time. Apparently, not the best, but the most dominant. He's only he's 29 fights. He's lost two rounds. Come on. It's insane. Oh, my God. But, but he also only has three title defenses. All right. Compared okay. to, All right. Compared to Anderson and Mighty Mouse, you can't even. GSP, he don't, even shout, out, shout out my boy GSP. Don't forget about him. Oh, GSP. Like, yeah. He doesn't even. He doesn't even touch oh, the yeah. realm that they're in. Yeah. yeah because he hasn't had that many big fights. Like you kind of yeah. didn't really hear if could be. Well, at least part of it's not his fault, bro. People didn't like watching him because they thought he was boring. But then there comes to a point where it doesn't matter know, how boring you are. If you're that freaking good, people want like people will watch you. I don't know. I think Khabib's pretty exciting to watch. I think people did like. I, I think Connor really elevated his yeah. status because the Connor Khabib thing that was such a big, uh, you know, the hype. You know, him throwing the thing to the bus and all that stuff, and then Khabib jumping out of the out of the cage. Like, guaranteed. Like, if him and Connor fought again for the rematch, which I, I think Khabib should have. Um, I know he doesn't care about the money or anything, but just for the hype, like, if they had like fought this. again, then. I mean, Khabib, his name became so big 
because of Connor. Like yeah. re- that's you know reality. Yeah. Otherwise, he would have been just the guy who takes everybody down and dominates them, and they don't do anything. Yeah, because that's when I first served him, probably. Yeah, you know, it's just like yeah. an amateur fan. Yeah. But hey, uh, listen, Alon, really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on, man. Um, let us know. I mean, obviously, I'll probably know, but like, make sure let let me know when you got that next fight coming up. We're gonna support you as yeah. well, brother. Um, th- but yeah, thanks for coming on. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend, man, and enjoy enjoy watching the fights tonight. Hey, thanks for having me on. You guys have fun watching the fights. Yeah, thanks, Alon. Good luck, man. Good luck in your career.